Bloodbath and Beyond, episode 27. I'm Casey Mitchum. And I'm Burton Cody. And after weeks of silence, the buzz is back, because our retrospective series of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre continues with Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. It's action and horror, it's horror and action, it's Bert and Casey, it's Casey and Bert. This was a movie that I saw years ago, much like the first, and I really couldn't stand the first time I saw it. But slowly, like a fungus, this movie has grown on me, and I've, I've grown to appreciate uh, several aspects of it. It is far from being perfect. Um, you know, I'm going to be honest with you right from the outset. I didn't care for this movie the first time I saw it, and I might still be exactly where I was before. <laughs> that, that's perfectly understandable. <laughs> so let, I let's, think certain uh, things about this movie are a blast, but we'll get to that. Yeah, sure. Well, let's uh, I mean, let's start right from the beginning then. I mean, we first of all, this movie uh, was produced, I want to say, 12 to 13 years after the original. Yeah. Um, this was part of a three-picture deal Toby Hooper had signed with Golan Globus, also known as the Cannon Group. Hmm. Um, before this movie, under them, he had made Life Force, which flopped. I think it's very entertaining, but it flopped. And Invaders from Mars. And he, the other thing he agree, had agreed to for this contract was to make another Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, between this movie and the original, there had been scores of slasher pictures. There had been, what, five Friday the 13th by this point? Certainly. Uh, several Halloween movies, other other movies that had um, homaged and outright parodied the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, and I think the slasher period itself already had had its golden age. Uh, I'd say eighty one, eighty two. I'd say that was the the really the high point of the genre. And this movie came out in nineteen eighty six, so it's kind of a late period slasher entry, especially for a sequel. This took a long time to come. Yeah, I'd say from about 86 onward was the decline of the slasher. I mean, there were some very good ones that came out after, you know, during this period, like uh, a couple of the Nightmare on Elm Street sequels. Sure. But I think at this point, the slasher, there, was no, there weren't too many other places you could go with uh, the basic design of it other than to make fun of it. And I, I, I want to say this is probably the longest that any of the iconic slasher movies went between sequels. Yeah. Yeah, I can't think of any others. Um, when Scream 3 and 4 had a big gap, didn't they? But nothing this substantial, I would yeah, think. Yeah, no, it def definitely wasn't 13 years. Uh, you know, and interestingly enough, the movie treats uh, the time jump as chronological. Uh, yeah. It is 13 years have passed in the film as well. Yeah, um, this is presents itself as a direct sequel. You know, in many ways, it has only one returning cast member. That's right. Yeah. Uh, that, that'd be Jim Sidow as uh, Drayton the Cook. Yeah, Drayton Sawyer, the Saw is family. Who, who most of you will remember as the old man, not Grandpa, who's uh, who's a returning character but not a returning cast member. Uh, but he is the sort of the patriarch of the family. Yeah. Um, the effects are a little bit better. Uh, Tom Savini was in charge of the effects. Uh, I put on the Facebook page for Bloodbath and Beyond a, 
a vintage David Letterman appearance, appearance of Tom Savini, and he showed off some effects, most of which are from this movie. Hmm. And he even shows off the uh, identity of the corpse that Leatherface totes around, and he's even on the poster of the movie, which is a parody of The Breakfast Club. So that right away should tell you the kind of movie you're getting into. I'll be honest, I enjoy the poster more than I enjoy most of this film. Oh, man. Well, the identity of the corpse is uh, the hitchhiker from the last movie. They've just thrown him into his army fatigues, and they just sort of party with him. That's what I'd assumed, but at the same time, I I also assumed, and this is not really putting the horse before the carriage, uh, that initially I'd assumed that Bill Mosley's chop top was supposed to be the hitchhiker just with a plate in his head now. Um, getting hit by the truck. You could you could make that distinction, but I think Toby Hooper said that they're supposed to be twins, and Chop Top had been serving in Vietnam during the events of the first movie. Sure, sure. That's why he even yells "Nom flashback, Nom flashback," and he's obsessed well, with yeah, the late yeah. '60s and early '70s culture. I, I only bring it up because he acts just like the Hitchhiker. There is nothing that really differentiates them as characters. Um, I think he's definitely well more, uh, he's better spoken, and he's funnier. He's not as creepy as the other guy. See, I'm gonna go ahead and contest funnier, because I, man, this is one of my complaints. I think Bill Bill Mosley has a very creepy look, and I enjoy the tick of him, uh, heating up a coat hanger and scratching his plate to, you know, to scratch away the rotting flesh around it, but I just wanted him to stop talking. I love Bill Mosley in this movie, and I think that's going to be a point of contention with us. <laughs> I, well, no, I love I, Bill Mosley in general. I think Bill Mosley is fine. I just think that they wrote him way too much dialogue. There's not a scene he's in where he's not going, hey, 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 hey. He's like a, I mean, he ends up like a Beavis and Butthead character by the end. Well, it, it's a it's a goofy-ass movie, though. I mean, <laughs> you first see him, he has that really long monologue with uh, Le- uh, not Lefty Stretch. Caroline Williams, uh, whom we'll get to later. Um, and it's just hilarious, and it leads up to um, a terrific jump scare. It was something I really despise normally in horror movies, but here it works because it has such a silly tone mm-hmm. uh, with Leatherface. Leatherface is very different in this movie. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's Every time he shows up, he's always doing this sort of like a uh, little trot dance with the chainsaw. I called it the uh, <laughs> I called it the Leatherface Shuffle. It is uh, definitely the Leatherface Shuffle, yeah. He puts his chainsaw over his head and starts just, you know, running running in place. He can't seem to do anything without doing this. It's <laughs> 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 the point where it ends up feeling like self parody by the end. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you watch this movie and it might come off as sort of a middle finger to fans of the original. That just raw terror feeling from the original is gone. Well, it, okay, let's let's get right into why that's not present anymore. Yeah. I mean, what works so well about Texas Chainsaw Massacre beyond all the all the things we talked about in the previous episode, which I encourage anybody who might have just started with this one to listen to first. Uh, the one of the issues is that we no longer have that isolated location. No. This uh, it's very much like a standard sort of movie. They're like moving from one place to the other. The family has been on the run. Yeah, uh, but apparently they're hiding in plain sight because Jim Saito, the cook, keeps winning chili contests (laughs) with that ridiculous trophy. 
that they put chili in. It's so gross looking. And it, it splatters everywhere. <laughs> Gets all over his clothes, and they act like nothing's wrong. Yeah. It, the, the secret is never, never skip on the meat. Always be good with the meat. <laughs> Which you know, of course, he's making people chili. That's that's the secret. You know, yeah. that's. Yeah, and it's well, the family's just doing what they're doing. Um, I think, but my favorite scene in the whole movie is the very opening, where two frat boys get butchered by Leatherface on the highway. Oh man, I. Okay, I wanted to see those two die. Um... You know, they were just set up that way. Like, the first one you see is, like, this guy with these ridiculous sunglasses, and he's just shooting at signs on the road. Yes. And they're on their way to uh, a Texas football game. Now, when I watched this movie, I was going, did, was Toby Hooper an Aggie or something? He seems to really hate uh, University of Texas students. But no, he was also a UT student, because he shows up later in the movie as a football fan who throws a beer can. Well, he's a self-hating University of Texas self- student, then. He acknowledges the redneck nature of being from Texas. <laughs> he wears it on his sleeve. He loves it. Um, so, here's here's one, of the, here's one of the early things that I sort of questioned. Um, did telephones work differently in 1986? Uh, the thing where, like, they can't have them hang up or something? I don't yeah. get it either. Yeah, uh, so so we're introduced to our uh, our final girl. Really, one of the only girls in the movie. Um, yeah, I would, I would even venture to say she is the only girl in the movie, other than the uh, lady who announces the chili win- contestant winners. That's right, that's right. Um, but she is a uh, she's known by her DJ name as Stretch. Uh, she has a different name, but I don't think it's really offered in the film itself. Um, it's not important. And Stretch is played by Caroline Williams, who uh, wanted to win the audition so badly. That when she came to audition, yeah. she ran into the room screaming, barricaded the door, you know, that uh, they were doing the audition in, and acted like she was uh, trying to protect the cast and crew from something outside. Yes, I love this character. I just love, I love DJs, I guess. Well, I know there's a lot, there's a lot to like about her. Yeah. Um, first of all, she kind of has like the cool 1986 job of radio DJ. Oh yeah. Totally analog, baby. She, she I, I like her um, Helen Hunt way of talking, which is very genuine Texan. She's, uh, she has an authentic Southern accent. I really appreciate that. They didn't have like a Walking Dead actress show up and just ugh, barf all over the accent. Yeah, I also think that she's um, perhaps the leggiest final girl of them all. Well, you know, I'd be lying if I said... One reason I do love Stretch is that I had a crush on her there you know, when I first saw this movie. I think most guys do when they see Stretch. And sure, she's sure. just so cool. I don't think she wears anything that isn't cut off jean shorts. No, she seems to be pretty comfortable in Daisy Dukes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you know, so she, I would go ahead and call her probably the, one of the brightest lights of the film. Yeah. She's one of my favorite final girls in a slasher movie, period. But she she's uh so she's the DJ at this radio station and these two frat boys are calling in through their corded car phone, um and for whatever reason they won't hang up the phone for hours and she as the DJ is not able to get them off her. It wasn't phone line. hours. Uh, they call her back later. Okay. After they call her the first time and just irritate her some more like they did at the very beginning. And they're on that bridge and it's funny because the bridge looks like it's a hundred miles long or something. 
Because it's this truck driving in reverse. It's only a two-lane bridge. And, of course, the truck in reverse is Leatherface holding a chainsaw. Who they identify as some kind of geek. <laughs> and, of course, uh, the guy with the gun completely misses Leatherface. And he hits... Well, he, he, he shoots the hitchhiker. Yeah, he shoots the hitchhiker corpse. Yeah. That's, uh, that Leatherface is wearing, like, a bow tie. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, Leatherface kills one of the frat boys, uh, by just slicing the top of his head off. Yes. And Tom Savini, uh, when he, Roger Avery was talking about an interview we had with him, and he said, well, I, I thought there'd be more blood coming out of the frat boy, but Tom Savini, ever the student of human anatomy that he is, uh, which is shown very well in his uh, effects work, best of which Day of the Dead, just a year prior. I think, you know, you and I agree, just some of the best zombie effects ever. Absolutely. <clears throat> and he said, well, no, when you, if you were to cut somebody's head off, just uh, just two little vessels, just squirt a little bit of blood. Psst, psst, psst. You know, that's not a whole lot. It's very soft-spoken. See, so you, you don't expect some uh, to have an anatomy lesson from a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, but Savini delivers. Yeah, so if you ever happen to cut somebody's head off, like at the top, like a can... It's not going to be quite as bloody as you thought. And that is not a request from us to you to do so. so. No, we're not. <laughs> Please don't do it. <laughs> Bloodbath and Beyond is not responsible for any murders. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched a, a little retro video on Tom Savini, and he shows like his voluminous collection of uh, medical journals and you know anatomy charts and stuff. And wartime photos. Yeah, well, he was a wartime photographer in Vietnam. Sure. So that really led him to being just just having a brilliant understanding of what looks real and what doesn't look real. Sure. Uh, so in this film, uh, the the catalyst for everything is Stretch listening to the chains the, the guys getting chainsawed over the phone while working as a DJ. Yeah. And there is a there's a Texas lawman played by uh, Dennis Hopper. Yep. Who seems to be just as crazy as the family. So, yeah. Lefty, his name's Lefty, yeah, and Stretch presents Lefty with uh, the tape. She thinks something's amiss. Could be that Chainsaw Massacre. That people keep talking about. Yeah, and then Lefty encourages, encourages her to play it over the radio again. Because Lefty is like that Danny Glover cop that's preparing to retire, but he just has to solve this one case about yeah. this chainsaw family that's been on the run that I think killed his family. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's... But he, his, his methodology is to buy more chainsaws. <laughs> Not use a gun. No, he is going to... He's going to dual-wield chainsaws and have a chainsaw duel. I love the scene where he goes to buy chainsaws. Yes. And the way that the old man at the uh, hardware store reacts. <laughs> He, he is delighted. Uh, so actually, this leads to uh, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, which is the radio station. Oh, yeah. Uh, we referenced that earlier with Chop Top shows up and his son of Bono do rag with leather face. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. Can you play in a Vita da Gata? <laughs> <laughs> is that the, the Rambo 3 soundtrack? Oh my goodness! Yeah, so 
It, it really, your, your mileage may vary on Bill Mosley's performance here. I think he is so disgusting looking that, like, just just watching him scrape the, the plate on his head with a hot coat hanger is enough that he doesn't need to talk so much, but man, they just... He is, yeah. he's chewing up the scenery and spitting it out. Exit! E-X-I-P! Exit! <laughs> <laughs> is this where they keep the golden oldies? Oh my God! See, it's just we're, we're we're quoting him, but like that doesn't that's not even like a, a one one hundredth of his dialogue in one scene. See, and here's the thing: here's the thing about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre like series. Uh, they the first movie sets this tone where they love scenes of the family bickering so quickly and so like noisily that you can't always make out what they're saying. And this movie like ramps up that quality. All right, there is nothing as funny as "Look what your brother did to the door" from the first movie. Yeah, there's nothing as funny as that. In a, but they they try, man. They, they try. try. Yeah. That was some inspired comedy in the original. It's very hard to re- recapture. Sure. Uh, well, so uh, Stretch plays the tape to draw out the family for Lefty of the chainsaw uh, murder. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Le- tele- and of course, Lefty's too late. Of course. To help out. For for no good reason, apparently. I don't so, really know why. Here's what we talk about when we talk about Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. We talk about the scene where he has Stretch cornered in in her office and has the... She's sitting over a um, a cooler full of ice. Yeah. And he, and he has his chainsaw wedged between her legs very phallically. Mm-hmm. He kind of like dips it into the water underneath. Yeah. And then Stretch, I think she figures out the Leatherface might be, and he is, mentally challenged. So she just sort of plays along with him. Well, okay. For fear but, of getting massacred herself. He's, not only is he challenged, but he's also sexually frustrated. Um, like every so, slasher villain. Sure, but this this quality is amplified to a great deal with Leatherface in this film. Um, he, he's, you know, they keep getting these lingering shots of the chainsaw up against her legs and him sort of like, like he's fiddling with the, um, with the pulley on the chainsaw, like, like, like somebody would a zipper, uh, and he's like licking his lips and it's really gross. And she's okay. She's, I guess she's trying to seduce him, but I think she's just playing along. I don't think she's necessarily wanting to seduce him. Well, I I know, but well, I I know, but I'm saying like her playing along takes on this like weird kind of like. It's a weird situation. Yeah, but her delivery is strange too, because like who talks like that? Are you good? Are you are you really good? Are you are you really good? And he's like, uh, and then you know he 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 pulls the chainsaw. He does the uh, Leatherface shuffle. Uh. Also, if you notice Leatherface. You can see his eyes now, and he has googly eyes. Oh, we should also point out that he is no longer played by Gunnar Hansen. Yeah. Now uh, he's played by Bill Johnson. Yeah, Gunnar Hansen's one and only time as Leatherface has passed. I feel like uh, Toby Hooper was... Uh, he was aware of the Carol Clover article, Her Body Himself, before it was published. Sure. So he's sort of he really is just making fun of the genre. Like, yeah, these guys are sexually frustrated... And it's ridiculous. Uh, it bears pointing out to people who aren't very uh, up on their um, a- 
academic writing about horror films that Carol Clover's Her Body Herself himself is uh, a really well-known and wonderfully written article yep. um, about sort of the the sexual angle and the final and like it was, it was, I think it's one of the first academic papers to really typify the final girl uh, movement. I, I think she came up with the term final girl. Yes. If I'm not mistaken. I'd say that's accurate. Yeah. So uh, if you haven't read it, please go read that one. It's really good. Yeah, you can find it in any sort of academic horror journal, or if you ever take a horror class in college, you will read that article at some point. That's where I encountered it. Yeah. Same here. I have it in my horror film reader. Ah, I have the same book. It has the picture of, uh, I think, Kurt Russell and the Thing on the cover. Yep. All right. See? There we go. Uh, this, this is what you go to college for, folks. <laughs> we learn the important stuff. That's right. We're very much uh, you know, the horror film aficionados that we present ourselves to be. Also the class where I met the love of my life, but that is uh, a story for another day. It all comes full circle. <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which Carol Clover does reference quite frequently in the article. Yes. Well, mainly Stretch. She loves a character Stretch. And, and, and uh, this bizarre scene in particular. Yeah. <laughs> And he does sort of, uh, I guess he he orgasms or something, and then you know, like you said, does the the Leatherface shuffle and and destroys the room and in frustration, and then <laughs> I thought it was celebration. Perhaps <laughs> it could be taken either way. Uh, <laughs> I've got a he, girlfriend. And then he spares her and leaves. Yeah. Uh, but not before. Chop Top yep. murders the uh, station manager, LG. Yeah. Who... I was a little disappointed with the way LG gets killed as a gore guy because it's like the hammer thing, but it doesn't look real enough. Especially considering Tom Savini's name's attached to it. Right. We just praised his uh, anatomical accuracy. Yeah. I guess it's the way it was cut because it was mostly emphasizing Bill Mosley swinging the hammer and just him in frame. Yeah. Well, uh, LG is played by Lou Perryman, who was the um, assistant photographer for the first film. I didn't know that. Well, trivia. He comes off as very slim pickings to me, for anyone who yeah. knows that, yeah, the character. character he actor. also has this sort of odd flirtation with Stretch. I think she's very well aware of, but she politely but he, refuses. Especially because he's a considerably older man. Yeah, he's kind of a goofy guy who's stuck in the radio station. She could be a grad student for all we know. Right. This is like this is his whole life. Yeah. This is just her summer job. You yeah. Know? <laughs> she just wants to play some rock songs. She wears a, a ZZ Top shirt. All the all the Texas rock and roll bands are represented. There's a lot of um, also a lot of references to uh, very obvious. <laughs> cannibal jokes like the fine young cannibals poster in the radio station oh yeah uh the infamous butcher cover to one of the beatles albums <laughs> yep they knew what they were doing that uh production department sure certainly certainly so uh lefty shows up much too late to save poor lg yeah uh who is dragged off to be turned into meat skinned of course all that horrible shit stuff uh, Chop Top questions Leatherface about whether or not he killed Stretch, but does not make any effort to confirm it. <laughs> Did you get that bitch, Leatherface? Did you get her good? Did you burn her like a rat? Yeah, uh -huh, but, uh, uh -huh, uh -huh. 
Yeah, he just they just go with it and they leave, and then um, that's when Dennis Hopper shows up. Yeah, wait. Lefty, you're late. Uh, uh, I, I didn't understand why he was so late either, because like this they was never his whole tell plan. you why. This was his, the whole reason they did this was, was his plan. You'd think he'd even stake in the place out or something, but no. Yeah. I guess it, it really only happens that we could not have that conflict so soon. Yeah. I mean, if there's the biggest problem in the movie for me is this plotting. Or, like, it's out of convenience that Lefty is late, even though it's something so incredibly port, inc- important we never find out. And, of course, Stretch uh, pursuing Leatherface and Chop Top and her Jeep to their lair without Lefty. Yeah, what was the planning there? I don't know. She was just like, I'm going to kill those dudes. She survives, but oh, well, I, it should be pointed out, too, that in the original script, it was planned that uh, Stretch was going to be Lefty's illegitimate daughter. I'm really glad that was left out. I just like yep. them as buddies. Kind they excised that plot point. Um, also excised, however, was the uh, plan that Hooper originally had, uh, in which they referred to this film as, in the script, Beyond the Valley of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, where <laughs> this is going to be about an entire town of cannibals. Uh, that would have been cool and weird. And it would have also been a parody of Motel Hell. Oh yeah, Motel Hell had just come out. I think a year before. Um, possibly. I think it, I think Motel Hell was 1980, actually. Oh, was that? Well, it would have made sense that you know he'd, he'd have written this as like as like a direct response to a movie that itself was a direct response. <laughs> yeah, the, the Farmer Vincent's fritters are full of all sorts of critters. Yeah, I I, I too would have really dug the. Uh, town of cannibal angle uh but apparently that was uh completely excised due to uh the expense and how they did not want to go but be beyond the four million dollar budget mark yeah by this time i think hooper would have been in hot water with goal on globus because his last two movies you know they lost money on and in the case of life force they lost a good deal of money and with Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, they only they only they, they only doubled the budget uh, in the box office to eight thousand eight million dollars. So, they did, this didn't bring in the money they were expecting. Yeah, it, at least it was a profit. Yes. Uh, and this movie has garnered a bit of a cult reputation. Um, if people say they prefer this one to the original, Ugh. they're full of garbage. I like this movie. I don't love it. Most of the reason I like it is because of Stretch. And yeah. Bill Mosley's weirdness, and some of the early weirdness with Dennis Hopper, who could not does not seem to care at all about what he's doing. No, he doesn't. See, he made Blue Velvet the same year this came out. Yeah, I bet he, he is, was doing some of that amyl nitrate he was taking in that movie. He is wandering sleepily through the film. Yeah, this is something he did on like a couple of, for a couple of weeks, just so we get back to Blue Velvet, I guess. I see. Actually, now that we're at the uh, at the amusement park tunnels, whatever the hell they are, um, the mine—I don't know. It's it's just been decorated by the family. It's this huge cavernous place. They take all their meat, and they have a they have a chute. They throw the meat down as a trap door. Yeah, what what whatever. I don't know. It looks like something out of a Terry Gilliam movie. It's so weird. This is where the movie kind of falls apart for me. Yeah, it, well, it takes so long. It's not very well paced once they're inside the lair. It's really a lot of stretch hanging out and freaking out. But not in the same terror-stricken way or just the, the more personal terror we felt in the original with Marilyn uh, yeah. Chambers. 
it's it's kind of dull. Um, I wouldn't say dull. It's just like okay, let's move along here. You know, maybe taking a little bit too long with especially the scene where um, the other DJ wakes up and he's oh. missing his skin. Okay, I I actually dug that scene. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so. I like the, I like up, the part with Leatherface a lot. Yes. Stretch ends up in uh, the room with Leatherface again as he's wearing an apron and preparing the meat. And he tries to hide her from the rest of his family by sticking uh, a ripped-off face onto her. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was supposed to be a Bride of Frankenstein reference. Hmm. Possibly. Well, you know, he's trying to make uh, a girlfriend... That's much like him, be wearing someone else's face, and he sort of yes. like dances her around, and of course, like any normal person, she freaks out. Yeah, it's it's a it's another gross, unsettling scene. Yeah. Um. He she he's even he even has her wearing LG's cowboy hat. Yeah, just to keep the face on. Yeah, it's the only thing that's holding the face on. It, it's a, it's actually a really startling image, and one of the most uh, one of the most memorable from the whole movie. Mm-hmm. It. It looks like something I think Rob Zombie took directly to use in uh, the end of Devil's Rejects, if anyone remembers that. And oh, man, of course, definitely. that movie famously starred Bill Mosley. Yep. Caroline Williams herself was also in uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. She played a nurse, I think, gets murdered pretty early in the movie. So clearly this is a movie that Rob Zombie has based his whole life on. This, the first one and the original Halloween, I think are essentially... Rob Zombie, in a nutshell, his filmmaking, at least. So, yeah, we, you know, actually, this this kind of sort of brings me around to one of the things that I really noticed this movie, which is this movie has an incredibly low body count. Yeah, well, that wasn't always the way because there was a whole murder sequence deleted from the movie. Sure. It's on one of the DVDs, but it's like this horrible VHS quality. We so never I'd, see his scene. I'd much rather have seen that cut of the movie than the one I saw. Well, uh, in Toby Hooper's words, it hurt the pacing of the movie. Whew. I can't even imagine. The the pacing of the movie is pretty abysmal. I wouldn't say abysmal, but it's that, that leaves second, a lot to be desired. No, I, I, I would say that because the second half, there's almost nothing going on. Well, there is Dennis Hopper just downstairs freaking out. And I love how he has an, an extra chainsaw belt attached to him, like he's Rambo with another yes. bullet belt. Yeah, he's he's just kind of walking around the mine, cutting down all the support beams to cave in the place. Well, let's let's talk about the dinner scene because they decided to redo that. Yeah. Uh, from the original movie, and did not do it anywhere near as effectively. And once again, uh, the problem is that they decide to repeat the scene of Grandma Grandpa with the hammer. Yeah. Bucket. I does, now are we left to presume that they every time they catch a young girl they fail to kill her because they have to have Grandpa do this hammer trick? I don't know. Because that that it, it came off as incredibly lazy and much less effective than it was before. It it seems like out of the weird things to carry over from the original, that's kind of an odd choice. Like, well, this is what the fans expect. Yeah, let's do this scene again. Yeah, I think we can really improve it. The only way they could have done it exactly is if they had um, had the actors working under the 36-hour schedule. Yeah. With n- you know, no sleep, no anything, no food, hardly. Well, Jim Sido, who plays Drayton, did say that that 
they did one of these again. So it's somewhere in this movie, so that might have been the point. Actually, he has one of my favorite lines in the movie. Uh, the businessman <laughs> always taking it in the ass. No. Uh, well, that's another good one. But I was thinking of uh, the scene where he first encounters Stretch and Leatherface is there looking very bashful. And then he says, you have one choice, boy. Sex or the saw? Sex is, well, nobody knows. But the saw, the saw is family. Which is the sort of the line that's carried over for the rest of the series. Uh, quite literally in the next movie. We will get to that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he, Drayton kills himself with a grenade, uh, <laughs> killing Grandpa, too. Yeah, uh, he takes one of the grenades left over on the hitchhiker's army fatigues. Leatherface is presumably dead. Uh, he from gets being his inhaled. guts literally spilt out. Yeah. As a and, chainsaw put through him. And is also probably blown up by that grenade, which blows up bigger than any grenade I've ever seen. Um, and... So it's we're just left with Stretch and Chop Top uh, running out of the building and into this mountainside shrine for Grandma. <laughs> with an active, uh, fully-fueled chainsaw sitting in her lap. It, gr- Grandma, who's looking a lot healthier than she did in the first movie. Uh, <laughs> in, the, in the first movie, Grandma was played by an actual skeleton they had bought from India because it was cheaper to buy a, a, fa- a real skeleton than a fake one. Um, Just like Poltergeist. And, and this, she's got she's sort of more full figured and more uh, fleshy looking. Yeah, well, you know the makeup on Grandpa was a lot better too. I was digging Grandma's uh, bone and chainsaw shrine though. <laughs> that looked like a pretty fun haunted house exhibit. Yes, uh, and, and but of course, uh, Bill Mosley very much treats Grandma like she's still alive. No, he's... don't you touch Grandma. You killed her! You killed her! <laughs> she rips her arm off as she's getting the chainsaw. Uh, yes. And she, I don't know, she just kind of hits him a little bit, and then Bill Mosley falls down a mine shaft. She nicks him pretty good with the chainsaw. I think she cuts up, like, his abdomen with it. Not nearly to the level that he is stabbing her as she's trying to turn it on. Well, I guess she's just a lot better with the saw. Yeah, yeah. Then he yeah. is with the knife. Yeah. Uh, but and and the film ends with her doing a twirling dance in a similar fashion to uh, Leatherface in part one. She's totally into it, being one of the monsters now. Yeah, I she's, love it. I love it. She's just a screaming feral wild woman. She is the survivor. See, I guess she could just move into the place. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, if you want to. Although Dennis uh, Dennis Miller didn't leave a lot of it. So Dennis Hopper, I'm sorry. Why did I say Dennis Miller? Cut that out, please. Uh, no. Dennis Hopper, <laughs> Dennis Hopper didn't leave a lot of it. Man, can you imagine Dennis Miller's Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I don't know. I guess it. Well, you've seen Bordello of Blood. Uh, yeah. Something like that, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, final thoughts on this one. How do you feel about Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two? Um, I find it an enjoyable oddity. It is certainly not going to take the place of the original. What could? Um, I like it for what it is. There is some problems, notably just how they fill up the runtime. The pacing is all off. But I think you can sit down and enjoy this movie for how absurd it is. And it's certainly better for what than what follows. <laughs> so, es- especially 
uh, I had just watched the newest Texas Chainsaw, just called Texas Chainsaw 3D, and it presents itself as a direct sequel to the original, and it's worse than you can re- worse than you realize. It's almost unwatchable, almost. Um, that's about all I can say on that one. It's on Netflix, so watch at your own risk. And we're not doing the remakes, so... No. That's about the extent you're going to hear of my opinion on that. So, alright, well, for me, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is a uh, pretty severe step down from the original. Well, well, how could they top it? They couldn't top it. Well, they couldn't, and they and it, this also might be a case where they waited way too long to do that sequel. You can tell that Hooper's heart's not in this. Uh, you know, this is this was a movie made out of contractual obligation rather than love, mm-hmm. and then and then painfully rewritten by studio intervention. Uh, I think it benefits a great deal from a charming lead in Caroline Williams' stretch. I think she's a very memorable final girl, but I think she is in she is a final girl that is in want of a better movie. Uh, there's not the like if you're if you're wanting to watch this to see a really fun slasher movie you're not really getting that you're sort of getting this oddly I, oddly I, paced i think there's only like three victims that the family kills yeah just, just like the original there's uh, more members of the family die than yeah <laughs> which i almost feel like was done just so that hooper, hooper hoped that no one would ever make another one of these i bet but yeah, which which you're left with is sort of this oddly paced homage to the first one that never quite captures any of the spirit or intrigue of the original. But I don't think that was the point to get the spirit and intrigue, not from the outset. Um, I think he just wanted to make a spoof. Well, he, I don't think he's even entirely successful in making a spoof though. It's no. not. It's it's not all that funny. It's not. I, I think the comedic tone you're talking about largely works in the first half better than it works in the second. Uh, I'm, I'm happy it to does. see... Yeah. It does. I'm, and I'm not going to disagree there. It's... I think it's half a good movie. And then... It's more I, than half, because Caroline Williams is in it. All right, there we go. I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. But I, I think that if this had been the movie that Hooper had, Hooper had planned for, it would have been uh, a... Much more worth talking about. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, you know, and I wouldn't change a whole lot other than the pacing of this movie. And I would have left in the big uh, wacky slasher sequence at the drive-in theater. Absolutely. I, I mean, sadly, we'll never see that footage properly. Because when Golan Globus went out of business, they destroyed everything. All we have left over is some horrible quality VHS footage. That That's sequence. a damn shame. And most of it's missing all the sound effects. It's just uh, it's just unfinished. It's very frustrating to think about. It's the magnificent Ambersons of slashers. Yeah, we're, we're just never going to know. Yeah, we're never going to know. So they're, they're, don't expect a, uh, a cabal cut like Nightbreed no. <laughs> for Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Yeah, Golan Globus is not like, uh, what was it, Warner Brothers? Yeah, they're not they're not as into preserving. Yeah. Uh, I want to I want to see the Canon Group Film Preservation Society. I think we need to start it right now. All right, so please send your Kickstarter money too. Scores of Chuck Norris and Stallone movies, they have to be preserved. 
for future generations. All three of the ninja films. <laughs> and you know, we're talking Revenge of the Ninja. Was American Ninja one of those, too? Uh, probably. Uh, and then Ninja 3, The Domination, of course. Of course. In, in which a fitness instructor is possessed by the spirit of a ninja and has to be exercised. I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah, the cannon group, <laughs> man. That's... <laughs> And uh, all of the Death Wish sequels. Yeah, if we if we achieve nothing with this podcast, I hope that we convince people that it is important that we preserve that piece of American history that was the Gull and Globus catalog. <laughs> yeah, speaking of Death Wish, uh, I know with part three, a lot of footage of that was missing. Because if you watch that movie, it's a total mess, but a very entertaining one at that. See, I, I think, you know, that's kind of the canon group thing. It's just that you... The, the films never feel complete, mm-hmm. and they it just feel they they sometimes feel like a random assemblage of scenes, and like you just feel like there are entire chunks missing. Well, uh, with Life Force, there were whole important chunks of that movie that never even got filmed, because the movie went way over budget and over schedule. Uh, effect sequences took a lot longer to make, so especially with like the last with the second half of that movie, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Which is kind of sad. I wish there was a complete version available of Life Force, especially. If it feels like I'm being unnecessarily harsh on Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, and I I say that knowing I'm going to be harsh on what's to follow, uh, it's because I expect way more out of Toby Hooper. Um, I I do too. Uh, By this point, he had mostly a great track record. Certainly. And, you know, and I think he even does the amusement park conceit way better in uh, Funhouse, which is a pretty fantastic slasher movie that really plays up to the carny uh, Mm -hmm. atmosphere. And uh, Eaten Alive was a great extension of the whole backwoods hillbilly murderers. Sure. Well, you know, and and just thinking about, like, the man made Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, 1 as a student film. This is the work of a seasoned director. Mm-hmm. And it, it's nowhere near that level. And I, I do question how much of that had to do with Golan Globus's interventions. I, I think that has to do a lot with them. Um, because when he made the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, he did whatever he wanted to. Sure. It was all just up to, you know, how much money they could raise. It was still just his imagination and his reckless abandon that he had when he filmed that. Maybe he lost a little bit of that. A lot of directors do as they age. I mean, you see that with Spielberg. He's not going to make a movie like Jaws ever again. Or even Raiders of the Lost Ark, where he got away with some pretty horrend- you know, horrific stuff happening to people. Those exciting young and hungry times are gone. Yeah, maybe that just happens to a lot most directors. I would love to see the production notes, uh, you know, of course, handwritten and preserved in the Golan Globus Canon Group uh, Film Preservation uh, Group archives, uh, where they where they demand that Hooper repeat the grandpa with a hammer scene, <laughs> <laughs> but it, but make it twice as long. Yes, we need this ridiculous scene, and no one's going to buy it unless we have this gaudy set for it. But I think the gaudy set might have been part of his Toby Hooper's. Uh, initial plans perhaps you know perhaps that gaudy set was initially filled with a lot more characters or it's just how you fill the frame and what you do with it and it just wasn't completely successful it, it just drags sadly 
Texas Chainsaw 2 just doesn't do enough. I, again, you know, I, I can't stress how much I wish I could see that cut with the with the extra body count because it's not, it's, you know, I'm not a bloodthirsty person, perhaps you know, per se. But I, when I come to a slasher, I expect, I expect my, you know, my kill count to at least reach near the double digits. Near the double digits. Eh? Well, the original movie it was three or four people. Sure, but that's all the characters that we had. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, you know, like like that makes more sense when you have this isolated location, and you know, it's just a wrong turn movie. Mm-hmm. And it's the uh, wrong turn movie. It is the wrong turn movie, and it was paced a lot better than this one was. Yeah. Oh yeah, I just watching it now. The first one is a masterpiece. I love it. I, I think I think that's kind of the expectation of the second one I have is just that okay you're telling me these guys are now roving the Texan countryside, like I I'm expecting a lot more than just them taking out these two frat boys and a radio station manager. See, we're just catching the family in the midst of their everyday goings on. So it this adds is their up. transitional yeah this is yeah. their transitional period between chili contests. Yeah. See, even Dennis Hopper pokes a wall that has a little blood coming out and then tons of guts and senior or whatever just spill out of it so they have a lot of leftovers so to speak all right well so i'm looking forward to seeing the prequel to this one <laughs> no you aren't where, where we where we find out all about how stretch got her radio dj job oh, that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and i'm looking and to see what happened to stretch after yeah yeah well uh so with that i think this is as good a point as any to close out this one we kind of <laughs> Kind of went all over the place, but you know that's the. But hey, that's that's in the that's in the spirit of the movie. <laughs> yeah, a little all over the place. So join us next time as we go into uncharted waters with Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Three. I'm Casey Mitchum. And I'm Burton Cody. Stay bloody, my friends. This concludes the broadcast day for K Okla in Burt Burnett, Texas. Red River Rock and Roll. In New York, it's 1 a.m. Still fun city. In L.A., 10 at night party time. But deep in the heart of Texas, it's 12 midnight. Ain't nothing going on.